This is the Employment Law Show. All right, all right. It is 6.32. John Scholes here along with Chris Justice, courtesy Sanfiru to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country, ready to talk some employment law. We hope you are as well. This is the time that you uh, want to get educated and get wise about the rights that you have you may not even know about. A lot of people are totally in the dark, but the uh, the laws as far as employment for you as an employee especially are very robust. So take advantage of this next half hour and give us a call with any of your questions. You, uh, the questions you ask are probably being wondered by thousands of others. So you're doing everybody a service and you're making the show that much better live show. And you want to reach out to uh, Chris during the show as well. You can do so email if we got some time. Help at employment lawyer. Dot ca and we'll get into the uh, the topic for this uh, half hour at least one of these topics first one's going to be things you do after you've been fired how about that we'll get to that but first we always have the case of the day brother what's uh, what's going on yeah not too much not too much just busy as ever um, but uh, yeah sort of the case of the day or I guess the news story of the day it has to do with Chapman's the ice cream uh, company. Um, they, uh, I think since late last year, have been coming under a little bit of fire. Uh, and this is with respect to one of their policies where they essentially uh, incentivized those who were vaccinated by giving them a dollar raise. Uh, and those who were unvaccinated were not given the same thing. And as I mentioned, they came under a bit of fire for this uh, regarding the policy, regarding um, potential problems from a human rights uh, and or discrimination type perspective. Uh, you might think that the policy is fairly um, innocuous or certainly not designed to discriminate against people. Um, but this case or this story is sort of an example where an employer can run the risk of getting in a little bit of hot water by virtue of a policy like this. Because one of the arguments essentially is that obviously if you're not vaccinated, you don't get the incentive. And what happens in a situation where somebody is not vaccinated based on a medical reason or religious reason or some sort of ground that would be protected under human rights legislation? You know, does the policy now, whether it's inadvertent or not, does it discriminate unfairly towards those people? Um, and I think that's partly why Chapman's was coming under some fire. And I thought that this uh, particular news story would be good because uh, from a more general perspective, you could have a policy uh, that incentivizes your employees to do any number of things that, that you might find as a company would be beneficial. But you still have to be careful as far as you know the implications of that policy and trying to avoid just a blanket policy that applies to a group of people regardless of potential uh, I guess justifications or exceptions um, so definitely companies need to be aware of that and if you're an employee who uh, may feel as though you're missing out on an incentive or you're losing out on something um, for not for whatever reason complying with what your employer is asking and the reason for that is because example again being maybe a medical condition uh it definitely be something you want to touch base with a lawyer on and, and just make sure in terms of uh you know all, obviously getting treated fairly and again this is something that companies have to consider too um you know just that alone could potentially justify or trigger a termination uh and then you know again as the employer you're sort of in hot water because you're having to think about a potential severance package um, not to mention, you know, additional damages maybe for human rights violations. 
And by the way, reaching out to Chris with uh, matters like this before you pull the plug on doing something like that, especially if you're a business owner or any other time for uh, for that matter, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca. But as I mentioned, live call in show before we get to our topic, it's always the phone calls are priority. Uh, John, thanks for waiting in the wings momentarily, my friend. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you tonight? Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind? Here's my question. Actually, mm. it's a two-part question. So the first part is, um, I I work, and I'm working for an employer where we've had a couple of members on our team leave, uh, like one, two of them left due to, you know, becoming pregnant, and they haven't been able to find people. And one left because they ended up getting a managerial position with another organization. So my question is, now with the employer, they do they have the right to put more responsibilities on me workload-wise? And if they do, do I have the right, because we're not unionized, we have you know no specific contract, per se, for example, do I have the right to go in and ask them for more wages? And if they say no, and then they decide a month after, oh, well, you know what, he's asking for more wages, we want to get rid of him. So that's what I'm trying to find out. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good set of questions there, John. So thanks for calling in. And um, no, I think this is great because this is something that uh, definitely applies to a lot of people. And it has to just do with employers approaching you and potentially making significant changes to your job. So, for example, in your case, if your employer is coming to you and saying, you know what, we've got to add, you know, twice as much work onto your plate because of this, this and this reason. Well, ordinarily, you're going to have an option or at least a decision where you can say, well, hold up a minute. That's not what I signed up to do. Um, and this is actually what I signed up to do. And, and this is what I want to do. So I'm not on board with that. And you may very well have the right to sort of object to those changes. And if your employer insists on those changes happening regardless, well, you've got an objection now on the record and you may be able to treat your employment as having effectively been terminated as of the day that the changes were made. Um, so that's number, that's, that's number one. Now, now you're mentioning negotiating potentially in terms of getting increased pay uh, on account of taking on that added work. And that's certainly something you can do. Um, you may want to get a lawyer involved, but there's always the possibility, of course, for negotiations. And if those responsibilities are things that you're willing to consider, um, if or I guess so long as your employer uh, gave you some incentive or benefit in exchange, then I think that's perfectly reasonable. Um, I think the issue probably comes when they uh, reject any of your suggestions and simply insist that they be made and that you get paid the same. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with negotiating, but at least you need to know that you'll have an option if, if in fact, the changes are significant. And it, and it may come down to that, exactly how much more they're wanting you to do. But any employee who's being uh, told their, their terms of their employment are changing in a significant manner, whether it's pay, duties, location, just know that you, you very likely have an option to say, no, I want to do this. Um, and then the onus kind of shifts on to the employer at that point. Or there's option C, medical leave. There you go. Well, yeah, you know what? If if your employer is insisting on you doing a whole bunch more work, and let's say you do take on that work, but it has uh, an impact on you, maybe in good faith you decide to try it out, but you realize, you know what? It is very significant. I tried it at least, but it's having a huge impact on me. That could potentially benefit you as well, so long as you don't do it for too long because you can say in good faith you tried it out. But if that actually leads to you taking a medical leave and you've told your employer you don't want to do it, they insist on it happening and then you're essentially forced to take that leave 
then that could be another situation which would trigger severance entitlements and, and potentially other forms of compensation too. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, John. Appreciate the time and your phone call. And if you want to reach out to have a further conversation with uh, Chris, I would imagine you will. It's going to be 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to squeeze another call before we uh, break and get to some more business. That would be uh, Damien. Thank you for taking the time. Damien, how are you? Good afternoon. Thank you very much for taking my call, Jeff. You betcha. What's up? Thank you, sir. Uh, My question for Mr. Chris, uh, I believe, uh, I heard your intro, how you talked about Chapman's and yeah. what may or may not could happen to this employer based on the, you know, raise for policy. the vaccinated, either policy, excuse me, and how that could come across as a human rights issue somewhere in the future. My question is, Chris, is the following. If that's true, how is it possible then that employers in general can threaten you with your job, i.e., in November, I think was the deadline. If you're not double vaxxed, you lose your job. If based on what you're saying, Chapman's could come into a problem for doing what they did, a little bit of hot water. How did other employers, like the one I work for, uh, basically they threaten my job. If I don't get double vaxxed, I lose my job. How did they get away with that, sir? Well, they may not get away with it is the answer to that because for the most part, unless you are in an industry or working in a particular job where there's a specific government mandate that requires the employees in that industry or that job to be vaccinated, if that's not the case, if there's nothing like that out there and your employer is coming to you and saying, we want you to get vaccinated and if you don't, this is what's going to happen, well, I mean, they may be able to do that in terms of, practically speaking, there may not be something or or much you can do to prevent that. But if, for example, what they do is terminate you for, say, just cause and give you no money, or they suspend you for uh, an unknown period of time until you do get vaccinated, which also could be tantamount to a termination, that's, that's where the risk for the employer lies. And so, as I say, there may not be a whole lot you can do to prevent the employer from taking that action. But as far as the question of whether you're owed severance and potential human rights damages for that action, you know, that's a very much a live issue. And, and you may very well easily be owed significant compensation should something like that actually occur. I uh, understand completely. OK, I just uh, wanted to clarify that because that's yeah. a big risk for employers to take. So I was just, uh, you know. You know. it, it, yeah, it is a risk. It is a risk. It's a it's a wild time right now, to be fair. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll soon see, I'm sure, many cases come out in the courts that touch on all these sorts of issues. And, and there'll definitely be probably some more clarity there. But as it stands now, I completely agree with you. It is a risk that employers are taking by doing things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, so if, you know, something like that again happens to you or frankly, anyone for that matter who's listening, uh, you'll want to get in touch with us and uh, we can help take it from there. I thank you very much for your time, gentlemen. Thank you. No. Damien, appreciate uh, your time as well, pal. Yeah, it's, you know, we often talk about that on the show, Chris, that, you know, <clears throat> barring any human rights violations, uh, et cetera, et cetera, you, your employer can come in to you, the, you know, tomorrow and say, you know what, eh, I'm tired of having you around. I don't like the way you work or you're not vaccinated or you're wearing a blue shirt, whatever. I'm letting you go. Right. They have the ability to do that. Might not be nice, might not be ethical, but if they pay full severance, that being the linchpin in the entire thing, they can get away with that, right? Generally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people think that the employer has to have this very good, uh, well-reasoned sort of uh, decision-making process before it actually terminates you or 
you know, that, that they have to give you three warnings or something regardless of the situation. And that's just not the case. And as you mentioned, unless there's some sort of foul play or discrimination at, at play, um, they can get away with that as long as there's some justification, you know, somewhat. And then, as you say, as long as they pay normally anyways, reasonable severance. But that's the issue. Most of the time, these companies don't pay reasonable severance. And that's where we come into play. Yeah, it's interesting. I know we got a break here in literally a minute, but it's I think that's where the term wrongful dismissal comes into play and confuses people because they think, oh, they fired me for the wrong reason. They didn't like the way I looked or smiled. That's not what it means. It means you weren't paid the, the proper compensation on the way out the door. But again, that's something I know you clarify uh, again and again on this show. And you have time yeah. to get some clarification yourself from Chris as we get into a break here. Do what Damien did. And uh, Joe, before him, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, between the phone calls, we'll get into our topic for the remainder of the show, things you'd, uh, things to do, rather, after you have been fired. That is coming up here on the Thursday night edition of the Employment Washington Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. All righty, 647. We are right back at it, the Thursday night edition of the Employment Law Show, 630 to 7, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all week. We got you covered in the hour-long version, of course, on Saturday mornings at 9. So uh, so tune in for that as well. You still have plenty of time here. And and outside the, uh, the half hour of the show all week and any other time to reach Chris Justice and his team at the firm, it is 1-855-821-5900. The website you can use anytime. Tons of information, free, anonymous, and the severance pay calculator rolled into it. That is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But always, as mentioned, the phone calls are top priority. Love having you on the show. And uh, it's time for AJ. Hey, AJ, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you guys for taking the call. Um, I'm working for a large laundry manufacturing company in Canada for the past 20 years. Uh, for the <coughs> first uh, 15 years, I worked as a supervisor, production, hired at that position, and recently, about five years ago, promoted as a logistic manager. And then about a couple of weeks ago, they uh, added more tasks to me, uh, full-time, uh, doing a maintenance assistant or maintenance uh, planner. And I took that position. I expressed to management that I may not be able to carry both loads in full. So they said, oh no, you're gonna do hybrid and I'm carrying a schedule of four days work, uh, 12 hours per day. And recently about last week, they came to me and they said, oh, we need to change your schedule from four days to five days and from 7 a.m. till four. And I was like, I asked them, I said, so what is it I cannot do in four days and 12 hours that you guys want me to change and do it in five days and, you know, eight and a half hours? So what is it? And they, they said, no, 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 it's just because the business requires that. I said, but I'm here for 20 years and I've always carried this schedule. So I want to know if there is a ground for dismissal, constructive dismissal, or if there is any ground I can argue with them and then get this rectified. Yeah, no. Uh, first of all, thanks for calling in, AJ. It, uh, in some respects, uh, seems like a similar situation to an earlier caller we had on the show uh, as far as the whole notion of a constructive dismissal. Um, so just very quickly, a constructive dismissal for those who are listening is when an employer makes significant changes to the terms of your employment without your consent. Um, and then you then have, again, that option of deciding if you want to accept those changes moving forward or not. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, AJ, about the schedule being drastically altered. 
them telling you that it don't worry, it's for business reasons, it's all good, it's just you know what we need to do. Well, that doesn't necessarily absolve them. And again, if the change itself is considered significant, whether it has to do with a schedule or not, or hours or days, um, which it very well could be the case in your case, AJ, then I do think you have options. And I think that uh, before you reach out or, or communicate with your employer, maybe um, at any greater length, uh, it would be beneficial to contact our firm and um, sort of walk you through the steps just to make sure you're communicating the right things. Because you, right. you may, you, you may, for example, want your job still. You know, it's not always the case that people just want to go after companies for severance. I mean, they may want to try to see yeah. if they can work something out. So um, that yeah. may be something you want to canvas first. And if that, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, then you may have to consider uh, alternate options. But whether it's, you know, trying to negotiate uh, to get the old terms back, you know, moving forward or trying to negotiate a severance package, I'm sure there's something that we can do to help you out and, um, yeah, try to get you what outcome that you want. Absolutely. I will most certainly contact your firm and, and we will take it from that point. I appreciate it. Thank uh, thanks, AJ. Appreciate that. And I know you have the number probably, but uh, but just in case, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. But here and now. Andy, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on, pal. How are you? Yes, sir. Not too bad. Beauty, too bad. What's, what's on your mind? <clears throat> okay, I got a question. Um, I know you've talked a lot about um, people getting fired because of not being vaccinated. I have a guy, yep. a, a friend at work, his wife worked at a long-term care home for 20 years, was a cook slash baker, and she got fired. And from what he understands, he says that they don't have to pay severance because the government made it so they don't have to if they have to fire because of because uh, it's a long-term care home. So I thought I'm going right. to call you guys because it doesn't, you know, I don't know if that sounds right or not. Yeah, no, it's definitely good that you reached out, that you called in. I, I definitely think there's something that we can do. Um, I mentioned earlier on the show that if there is a government mandate that applies to your particular industry or job, um, that that is at least, uh, at the very least, something to consider in terms of whether or not the company's actions are justified. Um, but there are other factors that come into play as well as far as what it is you were doing while you were there, um, how much contact you might have with, let's say, immunocompromised individuals. Um, so there's other, uh, we'll say, practical factors uh, that may come into play, and it seems like that may be the case with your friend, um, which may not sort of give the same impression as would somebody who is, let's say, a PSW or a nurse. Again, not to say that these people aren't potentially entitled to severance in these cases, but there's just a number of factors to be considered. I think, you know, given the fact that the terminations already happened, uh, your friend was there for quite a while, I think you said. Um, yeah, it definitely years, makes. Yeah, it, was, it was six months ago, and then she was there 20 years. It definitely make it definitely makes sense to to pursue something there. Um, so I would have uh, your friend definitely give us a call, and we can do everything uh, in our powers to to get her something fair and reasonable. Okay, give me your website or a phone number if you don't mind. I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you right uh, right now, Andy. No problem. That is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred again. One eight five five. Eight two one fifty nine hundred and email okay, simple right you. yep help at thank employment you lawyer you bet thanks pal thanks for help. calling in yep help at employmentlawyer.ca just if anyone else is listening and uh, there you go not, not a not an unusual call from Andy more to come okay let's get into this what to do things to do after you've been fired number one remain calm.
We'll freak out. Remain remain calm, yeah. So the, the things to do after you've been fired, a lot of these are more, I'll say, practical. Um, sure. Not so, not so much uh, legal, but just, I think, helpful tips. And remain calm is definitely one of them. Um, you know, obviously the loss of somebody's job, uh, especially if you've been there for a long time and depending on the circumstances that resulted in that, that lost job, you know, there's going to be some trauma there to some degree. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, you know, I, I deal with this on a daily basis. People are, you know, distraught and they're trying to collect themselves and, you know, you just don't want to as best you can, of course, I know in some cases it's easier said than done, but, uh, remain calm, uh, try to keep things amicable between you and the employer, at least at the point of separation, um, if anything, you know, call me, you vent to me, but, but just don't uh, necessarily do anything that's going to make that relationship more acrimonious and more of an issue. Because a lot of times I find that emotions can definitely run high. Things can be said. These things may actually be, have nothing to do with the case itself. It may be completely irrelevant to the issues at hand, but it still has a practical effect on the employer and or the employee. And then people may start thinking more emotionally, less rationally. And, and you don't want that. You know, a lot of times you're going to want to have a resolution. You're going to ideally want to have a resolution without, you know, a long amount of litigation being required. And so to the extent you can help that, I think this is a good tip. Um, you just aren't generally going to be doing yourself any favors. Uh, and uh, you want to, as I say, get in touch with a lawyer before really communicating anything of great significance and uh, go from there next thing you do is this make sure you have copies of certain employment related documents what do you mean by that yeah yeah so um it could be a number of things for example uh let's say your employer is making an allegation against you for performance related reasons sure. you may it may be helpful to have performance reviews it may be helpful to have uh your responses to those reviews um your employer may review you every year it's not to say that their criticisms are necessarily warranted um, so there may be email communications where you kind of push back against these reviews and, you know, that kind of stuff might be very relevant down the line when it comes to uh, an action regarding those types of allegations. Um, you've, of course, got contracts more generally. Um, we've talked about this pretty much every show, it seems like, but looking at uh, termination clauses within contracts, uh, making sure there isn't any fine print there that you may not have thought of at the time you signed it, but, you know, having a copy of the contract is going to give you the heads up, you know, in terms of uh, what may to, uh, be to come and, and to the extent that contract affects your entitlements. Um, and policies, you know, to the extent that, you know, the company has policies, whether it's an anti-harassment policy, maybe you're making an argument that the company didn't follow its own policy and there was a breach of policy. Um, having a copy of that's handy. And, and I think in general, just having documents, having contracts, communications in writing, that's going to help out later on when it comes time for issues of credibility. Because, uh, again, far too often it becomes a battle of he said, she said, and it, it's hard to determine. You may be very well telling the truth, but if two people are in front of a judge saying completely opposite things, there's no telling that, that the judge may accept one version of events that's not actually accurate. So having those records in place, having that all documented, um, that's going to help a lot with credibility and, um, you know, potentially win you the case or, or whatever it is you're dealing with. Yeah, it's always good to have your uh, your ducks in a row for sure and keep a, keep a yeah. file on your desk or somewhere of all your, uh, you know, correspondence with your employer, including your employment contract that you may have signed 
at the beginning of your job 25 years ago, right? So that's uh, that could Absolutely. be just as uh, just as important as well. I know you put on here. We got to go in about 30 seconds, but seek an employment lawyer before accepting a severance package. We cannot stress how important this is. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be a deadline on that severance offer. You're going to feel sweaty and you're going to want to sign it because in case you lose out on something, it's not going to happen. Chris is waiting in the wings saying, don't sign it. Just bring it to me. Don't sign <laughs> it. And do exactly that as we wrap up here. If that happens to you, do not sign that document. You got time. You got two years. So just relax, kick back, Absolutely. give them a call, right? And, uh, and follow through in that regard. We're going to do this again on the weekend. Thank you so much for all the phone calls and correspondence. Here's how you reach Chris now that we're done. It is one 821 5900 helpandemploymentlawyer.ca, and finally, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time, The Employment Law Show. 